Welcome back to Amazing Horse Country. Amazing Horse Country is a unique and positive style of relational horsemanship. We're down to earth, honest, and well, we just really enjoy horses. This is the second episode in our story. If you haven't listened to episode one yet, go back now and listen to it, or this one won't make much sense. In our style of liberty work, we really dig into the essentials of communicating in the same way horses do naturally, through space, energy, empathy, and focus. We learn how to communicate in the same way, so that our horse can be a mirror of us. By mirror, I mean that our horse will do exactly what we do. For example, we focus left and they focus left. We feel that we're elevating our left side and they pick their left shoulder up. We feel energetic and they transition up. We feel proud and confident and thus they do too. All without physical cues. And this isn't magic. Horses communicate with and mirror other horses 24-7 on their own. When we learn to speak their language, we can have the same amazing relationships with them. To learn more about Liberty work, how about registering for one of our Liberty to Riding clinics? You can also check out our videos at AmazingHorseCountry.com. The Basics of Liberty Parts 1-3 to series is a great start to creating a true and honest connection with your horse. Hey, hi, Ditch. What's that? Yeah, yeah, sure, I can tell them that. So, Ditch wanted me to tell you one last thing before we get started. We put in several days of work for each one of our podcast episodes. Don't get me wrong, it's a lot of fun. But production, including all of our recording and editing gear, does have a cost. We'd be so grateful if you can support us. And our plans start as little as $3 Canadian per month. It's super easy to sign up for and includes lots of amazing benefits from Amazing Horse Country merch to live streaming webinars. Take a minute and head to patreon.com slash amazinghorsecountry and help us out. Thanks in advance. And thanks, Ditch. Amazing Horse Country. Inspiring connection. Creating success. It's what we do. And now, the second episode in our new series, Interstellar Horse. Enjoy. Ditch and I continued to walk down the hallway, and we came up to a bulkhead 
the doors of which were closed. But the touchpad was green, and Ditch reached out to touch it with his nose. It slid open. We stepped across the threshold and the door automatically closed behind us. I wondered if it was like a fire door. You know, like the ones in buildings that must stay closed all the time. Glancing back to look at it though, I saw the touchpad on this side of the door was red. No going back the other way apparently. Whatever. We were moving in the opposite direction anyway. There was that noise again. The same one we'd heard in the cargo hold and again in the mess hall. But this time we saw what was producing it. And I'm not even sure how to describe it. A hole had melted, manifested itself in the corridor right in front of us. And this hole was as wide as the corridor. We stood and watched it. It was like the floor had just disappeared or evaporated maybe is a better word. There was no device or machine that had made the hole, it was just a hole. I could see the structure of the subfloor and down into what looked like another corridor. What the heck is that? Clearly what you are witnessing is simply a tear in the space-time continuum. What? I shouted, but not as a request for more information just in surprise at my question being answered. The AI didn't take it that way. The elliptical tear is 1.56 meters at its shortest and 7 meters at its widest. Level 5 alert! The washing machines on level 3 are currently missing. In the event they do not return on their own, I would advise you use the washing machines on level 4. Referencing chapter 5 subsection 8b of the Chrome manual, you will note that uniforms must be clean and presentable. Ditch was wary. I assumed his wariness had nothing to do with laundry. I'd never seen him wary about laundry before, but hey, there's a first time for everything. Clearly, his wariness was directed toward the hole. This missing piece of the ship that we were in. His head was cocked and he rocked back on his hind end, ready to spin around if anything more happened. And then it did. The hole started inching its way toward us. The best way I can describe it is like a moving window. We could see right through it down to the next floor, but I knew this was no window and I knew if we fell in it, we'd drop at least 10 feet. Now what? I shouted in frustration. The elliptical tear is moving toward you at the rate of 2 kilometers per hour. That wasn't what I meant. The oddest part was that when the hole moved, it seemed to eat the floor in front of it and heal up behind. It was like a high-tech vacuum cleaner gone out of control. What would happen if that space touched us? Would we have chunks out of us, like the table in the galley? I didn't want to find out, and neither did Ditch. I turned around and ran back the way we'd come, Ditch mirroring me with precision as he spun on his hind end. The problem was that we turned around right into the bulkhead door, which we couldn't open 
because it had a red ring around that touchpad. I slammed it frantically anyway. I could hear that scratching noise come closer behind us. Gitch began pawing frantically. Please stop attempting to open the door. Dang, what now? I whirled around to see the whole head sped up now and was moving toward us rapidly. There was no other option. Come, Ditch! I ran right for the hole. All of our liberty practice paid off in that instant as Ditch matched me stride for stride and when we reached the edge of that hole, we both jumped and landed on the other side. I felt like giving Ditch a high five for that coordinated piece of athleticism that I can only describe as brilliant. I held up my palm to see what Ditch would do to reciprocate, and then we both froze. Something had changed. Silence. Well, except for the droning of the ship's systems, I looked behind us. The hole was gone. The floor was exactly the way it was, or more likely, exactly the way it should be. But our celebratory atmosphere was abruptly cut short. Level 5. Alert! Oxygen generators will cease to function in 15 minutes. We're not getting a break here, buddy. Initiating oxygen conservation protocol 15 Bravo 3. Right after that message, the bulkhead doors started to close. These doors seemed heavier and bulkier than the others. They were huge, and closing looked like it would take a minute or two. What is the oxygen conservation protocol? Each of the 9,365 oxygen conservation protocols would you like to know more about? The one you just said. 15, uh, bravo, something, whatever it was. Oxygen protocol 15 Bravo 3. Close all corridor bulkheads to section of the vessel. Shut down air circulation fans in levels 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. What level are we on now? You are currently on level 4, section 3, corridor H. Level 2, alert! The bullet tournament, originally scheduled for tonight, has been postponed until next week because a total of zero crew members have signed up. Not wanting to get stuck in the corridor with no food, no water, no pie, and now potentially no air, we needed to move. As far as I could see down the corridor, every single door was moving. There was no time to waste. I turned to Ditch, and in a leap, I swung my leg over his back. I didn't have a halter or reins, but honestly, I didn't need them either. Ditch and I have a very trusting relationship, and he's more than willing to follow my focus and balance. In fact, being a good follower is something that really meets his needs and motivates him to try. Looking down the corridor, I noticed that each successive bulkhead door was closing from the other direction. One was closing right, the next one would close left, and so on and so on. Maybe that was to balance the weight of the doors on the hallway? 
I have no idea. Either way, we were running out of time. I focused forward, poured on the energy, and Ditch took off at a canter. We weaved left and right, Ditch responding to slight changes in my balance as he switched leads in between each door. The doors were only a quarter of the way open now, and we wouldn't be able to cross many more thresholds before they were all closed. I was hoping to spot a door on the side that had a green ring around the touchpad so we could get out of the corridor. Nothing. They were all red. And I wondered if the lockdown protocol had sealed all the side doors too. We came up to another door. Another red ring. Dang it! We were now out of time. We'd only get through one more door. Maybe. The door ahead of us was closing fast, and I wasn't sure we'd get through it. Come on, ditch! And I dug my seat in and swung my feet up onto his back to make our profile as thin as possible. He skidded sideways and slammed into the wall in an attempt to squeeze through the last remaining door. Together, we picked up our shoulders in a perfectly synchronized left bend and shot forward in a final burst of speed. Ditch stopped abruptly and squealed. With my whole body up on his back, I wasn't able to stop my forward motion and I kept going, my seat swinging over my head. I kept a solid grasp on his mane and to my astonishment, I swung off and landed on both feet and I was facing back at Ditch. And then I saw what Ditch had yelped at. His tail was stuck in the door. Running my hand down his rump, I was relieved to discover it was only some hair caught in the door. I wiped my now sweaty hands on my jeans, wrapped them around his tail, put my feet up on the door frame, and with a steady buddy, I pulled. Ditch's tail popped free, causing him to jerk abruptly forward. And me, well, I landed flat on my back. His tail must have been holding the door open just a crack because it finished closing with an audible click. And now the pressure in our newly created compartment had changed. I felt it in my ears. I surmised we were now isolated from the environmental system, which meant we probably didn't have much air left. Still sitting on my butt, I looked up to see Ditch's nose appear right in front of my face. In spite of what I felt were our last remaining breaths, I smiled. Now, Ditch does this funny thing where he'll stick his nose on my head and rapidly wiggle it. It's hilarious, and he knows I think it's funny. And that's what he started doing. He's a great horse for picking up on my mood, and he's the first to step up to the plate to make me laugh when he knows I need it. This was one of those moments. Ah, ditch. I laughed as I stood up, and noticed, both to my surprise and monumental relief, that the door next to us had a touchpad too, with a ring around it, and that ring was green. I didn't hesitate, and I slammed my hand on it. Get her down, big rig. It's a touchpad, not a punchpad. I ignored the sarcastic AI as the door slid open and I ran through, 
ditch matching my pace at a comfortable trot. Turning around as Ditch's tail cleared the door, not wanting to repeat the tail-caught-in-the-door incident, I made sure Ditch's posterior was well inside the room and this time touched the pad to close the door. It slid shut as it clicked into place. Again, I felt the pressure change. Level 5 alert! Oxygen generators will cease to function in 10 minutes. Level 1 alert! The food printers now report that 5 types of pie are now available. Sweet jumping hay nets! There was pie! And here we were, running out of air. We didn't have much time. I hurriedly glanced around the room trying to come up with a plan. It looked like an oversized broom closet. Three meters by three meters at best. It was completely empty and there were no other doors. Great! We escaped space-time holes in the floor, we miss out on pie, we narrowly miss being crushed by a door, and now we're going to run out of air in a broom closet. I am no broom closet. A voice that seemed to come from all around us sounded. Okay then, well, what is this? Some people would call me an elevator, but that's the meaning, I think, anyway. I'm much more than an elevator. I travel in six different directions. I can vary both acceleration and speed. Thus, I am able to provide a comfortable ride for humans and exceptionally fast transport for cargo. If I were to transport you at the highest cargo velocity, you'd be crushed against the wall and then someone would need to find a broom closet and a mop to clean you up. But I won't do that. Most likely, I won't do that. I might have a programming error. Most likely, I'll accelerate at a comfortable 1.2 minutes per second squared, plus or minus. You never really know. I can recall the year I was first installed. There was a fellow who stepped in here and he pressed the Clearly Ditch had had enough of this maniacal elevator or whatever it was. So had I. Do you actually move somewhere or do you just talk? Where would you like to go? No one ever listens to my stories. And I have stories. No, no to a part of this ship that still has air. I recalled what the AI had said. Level 1, level 1, anywhere on level 1. Level 5, alert. Oxygen generators will cease to function in 5 minutes. Happy hoof picks. We didn't have much time left. You do not have access to level one. Where do I have access to that still has air? The only place remaining on the ship that will have air in the next five minutes is the Oladia's main interconnecting corridor. Take us there now. At a rate that won't kill us. Of course. The elevator jerked to motion abruptly and accelerated at a rate that was most certainly not comfortable. Ditch and I were slammed up against the wall and I was barely able to move. I now knew what it felt like to pull G's in a fighter jet. But like I had specified, it wasn't killing us. I could see my vision dim around the edges and knew I was going to black out soon. I couldn't even turn my head to see Ditch with the excessive G-force. Just then though, 
the elevator, in sharp contrast to our acceleration, slowed down at a comfortable rate and it announced politely, or maybe sarcastically, You have arrived. I hope you have enjoyed the ride. It was my pleasure transporting you. The door slid open and Ditch and I scrambled to get out and away from this insane machine. Have a nice day. The elevator door closed behind us and Ditch and I were left standing in a long, empty corridor. There was a door at the far end. Ditch and I looked at each other, both our eyes wide open in shock. We need to move, buddy. We were likely wasting precious air as our heart rates increased. Ditch took a step forward, positioning himself so that I was right by his side. He turned his head around and gave me an exasperated stare as if he were saying, Get on already. I grabbed his mane and swung a leg over his back and held on as he launched into an all-out gallop. As we neared the end of the corridor, I could see the now familiar touchpad beside the door. I swung off as Ditch was coming to a stop and I almost lost my balance as I slammed my palm onto the touchpad surface. Nothing. Why isn't this thing opening? I yelled to no one in particular. But of course, the AI responded. This bulkhead requires two persons to open it. I could already feel my lungs straining to suck oxygen out of the depleted air. Ditch's eyes were open in anxiety. I tried to reach both touchpads at the same time. No go. My arms would each have to be four feet long to pull it off. Frustrated, I looked at Ditch. He had this expression on his face that said, You can just ask me. Okay, bud. Push the other button. Ditch didn't move, but continued staring right at me. I rephrased. Okay, please push the other button. At that, Ditch turned and put his nose on the button. I strode back to the button I'd first tried and pushed it, and the door slid upwards. And that, my friends, is the end of part two. I sure hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for part three and the conclusion of Interstellar Horse. While you're waiting for that exciting conclusion, make sure to visit AmazingHorseCountry.com. We'd love to have you as a member. Your free membership gives you access to clinics, training videos, online training, webinars, member-only podcasts, membership forums, and much more. I'm looking forward to seeing you online, or maybe in a crazy elevator. 
Interstellar Horse was written, narrated, and produced by Scott Phillips. The voice of the Olaja AI and the Maniacal Elevator is Monique Noble. The music in the intro is Celtic Union by Terry Divine King and Adam Drake, used under license from Audio Network Limited. All other music in this episode was performed by Scott Phillips. Sound effects were sourced from freesound.org with additional sound effects by Scott Phillips.